This is My Take Radio's Behind the Mic. What's up, guys? Welcome to a new installment of Behind the Mic. Joining me this week is Devin Gamble from This Week in Cinema, and she's going to be sharing her thoughts on some of the latest movies that are out. Plus, we're going to get to learn a little bit more about ThisWeekInCinema.com. Hey, Devin, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. All right, so of course, the, the big burning question, you know, a lot of people have seen you on our fan page, but what's the deal with This Week in Cinema? Tell me a little bit about it and what what got you into it. Wow, that is the big burning question, huh? Yep. Well, it started about four years ago, but if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll notice that it doesn't say that that channel's existed for four years. I've been doing a lot of different things, trying to sort of get into what I really like and what I really like talking about because I've always had a passion for movies. I absolutely love them. And, you know, as you get older, your opinions sort of change, and I just always found myself talking about it. So I was like, hey, I have a video camera. Like, YouTube's kind of a thing now. I should go ahead and do that. So I've been doing it for a while. The uh, format's changed a couple times, but currently I'm doing trying to build sort of like a movie review archive. So every week I kind of mention movies that have either released on DVD or things that could be out in the dollar theater right now or anything in that sort just to kind of get people to watch movies that they may have overlooked because I found myself being most irritated by that, having to constantly tell movies, no, that movie didn't suck, like go back and watch it. So... That's sort of where the show is at now. No, well, you know, it's it's funny. First off, I got to commend you for going in front of the camera. You are a bigger person than me because I do, <laughs> I'm approaching 200 shows. I'm trying to make the transition to video, and I have a phobia of getting in front <laughs> of the camera, especially because we all know how critical YouTube can be. So I, I got to commend really you for that. True. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was really hard when I started off. I honestly have deleted like the first channel I made and I will never go back and look at those videos because at the time, you know, I thought I was doing really great and it was like as good as it can get. But now when I watch it, I'm just so embarrassed at how awkward I am and it's really rough. So I'm glad I at least started with YouTube so that um, all my friend, my fans and stuff kind of know me. And I honestly think Google Plus Hangouts have helped a lot with that because people can get more of my personality from doing those hangouts with me and it's not just my videos. So that took a lot of pressure off. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool. I think I may need to, to start doing more Google hangouts then for, for that to help me get comfortable in front of the camera. Cause I, I, I can tell you, I, I suck in front of it. I really do. <laughs> I do. And they're like, but you do, but you do the show for like three hours. And I'm like, yeah, and no one sees me. <laughs> no, but the Google plus hangouts are great. Cause they're real casual. I mean, Everyone just jumps in to talk about what they want to talk about, and it's really laid back. And you know, everyone's nice. I haven't run into anyone mean. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's that. That's always a plus. I mean, yes. one thing I wanted to, to talk about that I really, really enjoyed, and I said it was probably one of the driving forces behind wanting to do this interview was your your video on the on the Incredible Mr. Fox. Oh, really? Yeah, because that movie. Well, the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Let me correct myself. The reason I say yeah. that is because. 
I that was a movie I had watched and I stopped watching it because I couldn't get into it. And then I, you uh-huh. know, you did the hard sell, and I was like, well, damn, <laughs> let me sit down and 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 try it again. And I watched it. I was like, all right, it's really quirky and weird, but it's not right. it's not bad. So. You know, I, I, I said, I, I really want to talk. I changed someone's opinion. I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, that's, you know what it is? It, it's tough for me because I, for certain movies, and this this happens with with even our, you know, the writers on our site, we all have such strong opinions about certain movies, and, and I was ruined, and I say this a lot because they had me take film study in school. So, you know, you sit there, and I'll watch a movie halfway through, I'll be like, oh, I know who the killer is, or oh, I know what's going to happen next and it just ruins the experience so sometimes i try to go into movies with an open mind and then people get get all mad because they'll be like you know i really thought that movie sucked and i'm shocked that you thought it was good and i'm like yeah well i watched it a little bit differently than you did right no that can definitely be a problem especially with me that's why i sort of changed the show to this week in the cinema time to reconsider because i think it's really important that you know people give movies a second chance especially the ones that i like (laughs) Well, that you know, I, I was glad. I was glad to actually give it a, a second look, and I realized that it was incredibly detailed, especially when you watch it in HD. I was like, "Wow, that's a lot." Of- yes, the first time I watched it, I did not watch it in HD, and I thought, "Oh man, it's just kind of a stop motion animation style. Like, there's a lot of errors and things that kind of go funky, and it's probably just because you know Wes Anderson probably just didn't have that big of a budget." And then when I rewatched it in HD and I read a couple interviews about it to find out that he did all of those things on purpose and how it really contributed to the style definitely gives you a new appreciation for the movie. So thus far from from doing doing your your series, what has been a a movie that you felt has gotten an unfair rap that you thought was tremendously good? Oh, that's kind of hard to answer because usually it's the other way around. I don't want to say I'm cynical or admit it. Uh, but usually I hate movies people love. But honestly, if I had to give one, it probably would be The Fantastic Mr. Fox because I know a lot of people who don't like the animation. They think it's just a kid movie, so they write it off. And they don't believe me when I just tell them that it's good. So I'd hate to keep on the uh, the same movie. But I really think that's the big one that a lot of people write off that I try and fight with them, the fact that it isn't. You know, I I had a, a a feeling with like that with the Machinist. I had to convince a lot of people to sit down and watch the Machinist because they were like, like, oh man, I'm not gonna watch Christian Bale looking like an AIDS patient for 45 minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> look, there's more to it than that. And the movie's so so twisted that a lot of people should give it a second look. I tell them that with Fight Club because that's just a you know a people who don't like Fight Club. What kind of people are you friends with? Oh, you'd be surprised. I know a couple of people that don't like Fight Club because they don't like the the progression of the movie like they miss like so many of the subtleties i ended up watching that movie three different times for three different reasons like the first time i watched it to watch it the second time was like people telling me hey did you catch all x easter egg and y easter egg and i'm like oh man (sighs) and then the third time i watched it because i had read the book and i just wanted to compare and then whenever it's on cable i end up just never flipping the channel so right yeah no i um i guess i approached fight club with sort of a different view than most people I have loved Chuck Palahniuk from the beginning. So I read Fight Club. I read Invisible Monsters. I read Survivor. I read Choke. I read all of his books. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I'm just looking at myself like, Devin, you love movies and you love Chuck Palahniuk and you've never seen Fight Club? Like, I didn't watch it until this year. Wow. If you can believe that. Yeah. So I finally sat down and was like, this is just getting embarrassing. You have to watch Fight Club. So, of course, I loved it. But 
I never had the chance to watch the movie without already knowing the twist. Gotcha. Which sort of stinks. So I've never seen the movie with those fresh eyes that a lot of people look at it at. I've always seen it kind of knowing what's happening and analyzing every little thing that's different from the book. But I still loved it even at that. So, Well, it, it's funny that, that you mentioned Chuck Palahniuk. I, re- I read um, Snuff, which, which he did, and I really – I thought it was probably a movie that would translate well to film. But you, know just- it's, you know it's signed? They're going to make a movie out of Snuff? Really? Yeah, they nice. signed with – a company, I read it like a couple months ago, I can't tell you what company now, it's some small one that I've never heard of, but it's funny that you say that because I am half. I was halfway through Snuff at the time, and halfway through Snuff, and I was like, really? Of all of his books to make a movie, they picked Snuff, um, but then I finished it, and I was like, oh, I understand now. I kind of like Lullaby also, I thought Lullaby would make a good movie in the same vein as, um, uh, what the hell, The Sixth Sense, like that kind of a vein, done right. like that. Right. I actually have not read Lullaby. I think Lullaby and um, Pygmy are the only two of his books. And his new one, Damned. Those are the only three I haven't read yet. Yeah, Pygmy Pygmy's a, a fun book. <laughs> <laughs> Pygmy is a fun book. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, all of his are. I mean, there's no running away from it. You know what you're getting into when you read it. And still, like 200 pages in, you're still waiting for that twist because you know what's going to happen. And that's, I don't know, that's just what I love. I love movies and books, entertainment alike. Anything that can surprise me, I have respect for. What are your What are your thoughts on reboots? Well, it depends. Um, some reboots can be done really well, and some I'm really excited for. And then some I think should just never be rebooted. I think a really good example of that is basically any 80s, 90s, or previous horror movies I never think should be remade because there's an element in cheesy horror movies that make them so fabulous, and that's the fact that they are cheesy. That's the fact that they didn't have enough money to make the special effects great, and that's what you love about it. So when they redo it with all these great special effects, it's just really lame because the story was actually never really there to hold it up in the first place. I think the best example of that is Nightmare on Elm Street. The original is awesome, and when they came out with the new one, I was like, no, like half the fun of Nightmare on Elm Street is the corniness and the horrible effects, and that's like someone trying to redo Hitchcock. Like, you just don't. <laughs> well, it, it's funny It's funny that you cite Nightmare on Elm Street because one of the things with that movie that bothered me was that they really went out of their way to be like, oh, Freddy Krueger was a pedophile. And I'm like, you know, they never really said that in the old movies and yeah, you really never I mean, thought it. So it's like you you already have like a preconceived notion like, wow, Freddy Krueger's a piece of shit and I'm glad that he got killed. So, you know, right. it, it, it kills it. It does, yeah. And I think a lot of reboots just kill it. But at the same time, things that are sort of meant to be retold and keep going, I think Batman's a great example. I mean, Batman has so much flexibility because there's so much comic book material to work off of that, sure, like, keep making Batman movies as long as you do it completely different. I mean, if you keep doing it the same way and trying to recreate something that was already successful, you're going to fail. But if you add some director or some writer or some actor's personal flair that can make the movie different, then I'm okay with the reboot. Well, taking that into consideration, how'd you feel about the Spider-Man reboot? Um, it was all right. Uh, of course, they went with a totally different storyline, which is why I was okay. It was only a couple years after the past Spider-Man trilogy. I was never a huge fan of the Spider-Man trilogy. I like Andrew Garfield. I The only thing that bugs me is he seemed a little cocky to be Peter Parker, which sort of threw me off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the villain was kind of 
lame. <laughs> I've always liked the Green Goblin a little bit better, but... I mean, other than that, I mean, I loved it. I was actually not planning on seeing it, but I was in Orlando for the weekend, and I didn't have tickets to the parks yet, so I had nothing to do, and I just went to go see the movie because it was all that was out, and I'm glad I did because I did enjoy it, but I, was, I had to give my little complaints there. <laughs> no, you know, you know, it's funny you, you said that because I had similar complaints. I was like, all right, really? You're going to do something else? And then I kind of saw they wanted to flesh out the story a bit, but then... They they changed a couple of things and and I did feel Andrew Garfield was way too gassed on himself. I'm like right. I'm like you're supposed to be a nerd. Like it, I understand. And he didn't that. play nerd. He played sort of like cocky hipster. Yep, which cocky, I was not really down with. <laughs> cocky angry hipster. I'm like all right. I understand you're trying to do New York now and you're trying to make it. And I, and I get that, but I'm like eh, not not so much. But the villain right. I, the villain I think was a welcome departure. And the reason I know I understand your frustration from the from the Green Goblin standpoint is because. The Green Goblin was done the first time around, so they wanted to kind of dig into his rogues gallery and kind of build off of that to giving right. people the Green Goblin probably in a second or a third film, which whatever it is what it is. I mean, they casted Norman Osborn for the second one, so we may start seeing that. That would be cool, yeah. But one thing um, going on, on the reboot side, I got to see Evil Dead this weekend. Okay, and, and you're ahead of me then. I haven't gone out to see it yet, but... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil, I'm not going to spoil it. What I'm going to say is that it's, it is a totally different departure from the camp that you're used to. Is it really? Because I watched the trailer actually a couple days ago because I was thinking about going to see it or not. Cause a lot of my friends on Google plus were like, Devin, you got to go see it. Like it's totally different. You'll enjoy it. Um, and halfway through the trailer, I had to kind of like pause and take a breather cause it's really gory. Oh I'm just, yeah. So not used to that much gore. And it's not like I have a problem with like Tarantino or something because that's a different type of gore. It's like action gore. Right. And horror gore can just make my stomach churn, especially if it's self-inflicted. I like cannot watch the Saw movies. Oh, yeah. That, there's Because it's just self-inflicted <laughs> gore and I just cannot take that. Yeah. But um, But I've heard a lot of good things about Evil Dead and I've also heard a lot of bad things. And when I hear a complete 50-50 opinion on something, I just have to go see it. So, well, I'll I, like I said, there's there's a lot of gore, um, self-inflicted gore. There, there's a, a a large abundance of it. So please get your get your cringe <laughs> your cringe factor under control because it was it Got was it. it was it was uh, serious business. But I will say this: stay after the credits. Really? Okay, thank you. I love after the credits <laughs> stuff. Yeah, a lot of people that theater let out, and I was like, "Where are all of you going?" And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like "Ah." But yeah, in- incredibly, incredibly violent. And in terms of from a reboot standpoint, I can honestly say that it was a welcome departure, but it carved its own niche. So if they're if, if they're going to do a, a trilogy of new Evil Dead films, which uh, allegedly they're going to do, which are going to kind of converge with Bruce Campbell's Evil Dead at some point. How? I don't know. Okay. But that's that's the intention. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a solid start. OK, good. That's good to hear. So I, you know, I figured I'd share that with you in case you hadn't seen it. No, I haven't yet. Now I want to. <laughs> what 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 kind of genre do you gravitate towards more so when you want to do a lot of the this week in cinema episodes? Do you try to just pick out a certain genre that week? Like, oh, I want to try and check out a drama piece, or I want to check out a comedy and share my thoughts on that, or do you just kind of grab bits and pieces of everything to put together the content for that particular week? 
I try and keep a variety because I know a lot of my viewers, you know, maybe don't like romantic comedy. So I hate that like two weeks in a row or something like that. They haven't had something that they really enjoyed. But a lot of times it honestly comes from whatever I've watched that week because I'm a big person who likes to go back and watch things that have already been out on DVD for a while because I hate the thought of missing out on something awesome. Um, so a lot of times I know when I did like Perks of Being a Wallflower and Pitch Perfect back to back, those are pretty simple, not very deep, pretty shallow movies. And I felt bad doing them back to back, but it had, it was what I had seen. And then it comes to weeks where I'm just like, you know what? I love this movie and I still feel like I haven't told enough people how much I love it. So let me do it in an episode. And that's sort of what happened with the Fantastic Mr. Fox's episode. So um, it really depends on what I've watched that week or what I just really feel like people need to know about. <laughs> oh, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, I like I like the healthy mix because it, it kind of gives you a little bit of everything. Sometimes sticking to one genre is definitely um, more of an issue. I did want to switch gears and ask you about um, Comic-Con in Texas that you attended and you cosplay. Awesome. I love talking about Comic-Con. It was like the best two days of my life. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you extra points for cosplaying. Congrats on that. Nice Thank work. Thank you. You cannot go to a comic convention and not cosplay. There's just no excuse. <laughs> there you go. So how how was the how was the experience at the con for you and, you know, especially having, you know, a background and and a big opinion on film? Do you feel that Comic-Con has kind of broken down from just being about comics and become more about promoting films? Is it too Hollywood for your taste? Mm. Now, every con is different. And I went in Austin, Texas, so I know a lot that what was going on in Austin, Texas is very specific to the city's atmosphere. I don't know if you've ever been to Austin, but it's really weird. <laughs> People in Austin are just kind of crazy, and they'll just kind of do whatever they want, and they don't care. So I really don't know if what I'm about to say is you know, applicable to any con. Like I'm sure San Diego was so different than Austin, but in my opinion, I don't think, I think they should change it from comic con because it's really not just comics anymore. There was, I mean, and you can honestly just look at what people are cosplaying as people will cosplay as video game characters, movie characters, comic book characters, and just anything. Cause it's what people like. It's just a place for nerds to get together and be nerdy. It's really not as specific anymore which I like, which I'm glad I got to go because I only recently started reading graphic novels and before then I never really played that many video games. I'm really in that movie niche, but I still felt like I was a part of the convention. But no, I wouldn't say Hollywood's taking it over. I mean, I think like one or two people were promoting films. Actually, I'm thinking about South by Southwest, which, yeah, is definitely about promoting films. <laughs> Wrong convention, same convention center. Um, no, but Comic-Con was really about walking around, talking to people. I met um, Punching the Walls of Reality in Austin Comic-Con, which was an awesome experience. I've been on their podcast before. They're an awesome group. But, I mean, just meeting people through Comic-Con is great. And, honestly, cosplaying is like half the fun. So, Good. That's awesome. I, the funny thing is when I, when I saw some of the stuff you had put up for, for the Austin Comic-Con, I always attributed the – the Austin scene to South by Southwest, but I didn't know that their Comic-Con was that, was that not to say hardcore, but definitely more like the way I attend cons where there's more booths, there's more freedom to walk around. Usually when we do, when we do cons here in New York, it is incredibly sardined by, by, by the weekend. So, you know, I like the open space that you had to navigate. And yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, you were just Free to roam. Um, I definitely think what I've heard, I mean, this is my first 
uh, Comic-Con I've ever been to. I usually go to the Dallas Anime Con, um, but this was my first, like, Comic-Con. And, I mean, it was an amazing experience. It was different than any other convention I've been to. And what I hear is that 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 comic convention is pretty new for the area. And I don't know if it's this whole hipster movement or what's going on in that crazy city, but as far as I hear, it's a pretty new thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if it changed at all, but I hope it doesn't next year because I had a blast. <laughs> Good. I, You know, it's, it's funny because here in, in New York, we always used to complain about how San Diego used to get so much of the movie stuff and the TV stuff. Yeah. and. They're they're kind of switching it up, and especially like The Walking Dead has had a a strong presence the last two cons over here. They have. I've noticed that they were, um, and the one in New Orleans, I think, also. But they didn't come to Austin. As far as stars, there wasn't too many. I mean, my favorite woman ever, Elijah Dushka, was at the Austin con. Um, but I really don't think that matters because, in all honesty, it's ridiculously expensive to like meet them and get autographs that. Unless you are, like, just some crazy diehard fan. I mean, you've already paid for your con ticket. It just seems ridiculous to me. So well, she did walk by me, though, past the bathroom. So that was cool. You should have you tried to score a quick pick with her. Like, hey, you know, since you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Surrounded by bodyguards. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> That's what happens. How did you – how much was she charging for a ticket at the con? Oh, I don't remember. Like to meet them is something sixty bucks, and then Oof. if you want the picture, it's like eighty-five bucks. And oh my god! If you do, I mean, they had all the Star Trek um, television show actors there, and to meet all of them was some outrageous amount of money too. And then they charge even more if you want a picture, and it's really, it's it's really trying to dig the money out of your pockets, but. That's crazy. The the reason if you go I on ask, with if you go there with a level head, you'll be okay. If you don't go crazy fangirl, you'll you'll walk out with money in your pockets still. But well, I asked just because I wa- I was curious about you know the 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 price disparity from here and and in Texas. So you know it, oh, 50, yeah. 60 bucks definitely is is in line. I mean, I think when when yep. James Marsters was here, I think he was doing like fifty. But yeah. the um. What the heck is her name? She was in V, man. Uh, uh, v like V for Vendetta? No, V as oh, okay. in lizard people V. Um, right, okay. Oh, Just man. checking because I was like, oh my God, Natalie Portman was at a con. No, no, <laughs> Natalie Portman has, I think she popped up once or twice at the San Diego con, I think for Thor. But Yeah. Probably. But rarely for the New York con. I think we're really just pushing to try and get that stuff now. But yeah. um, the girl, the girl from from V the TV series at the time, she was charging, I think they wanted 70 bucks for her. And she, um, yeah. And then they had like the VIP experience and that was like 85 bucks and you get like a private photo booth with her. I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The photo itself is ridiculous. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's, you know, it's weird while on the subject of, um, the small screen, how did, are you, kind of trying to go into the small screen stuff because i've seen some of your posts on some of the tv shows like willard and stuff like that and i was curious if you're going to start integrating more of that into your show as well or okay you're gonna have to tell me a little bit by what you mean by small show by small screen small screen tv stuff (laughs) okay okay i I just didn't want to like start talking about television shows and you'd be like no that's not what i was talking about i I use the i use the what i what i call it on our show sometimes when i when i say small screen news (laughs) okay gotcha um 
honestly, I watch a lot of television shows and I would love to talk about them more. Um, my big thing, though, is usually since I'm watching them on Netflix, I finish the series way after it's done airing and like the new season is airing. Like, for an example, this Saturday, I finished the first season of American Horror Story and I absolutely loved it and I would love to talk about it, but everyone's like getting ready for the third season right now. So I'm just super behind. So that's why I don't mind writing like blog posts about it. So it's up there because I loved Wilfred and I wanted to give a shout out to my um, friend who suggested it to me. I was, of course, commenting on Misfits because that new season of that show had released on Hulu Plus, so I was caught up to date on that. But a lot of the things I watch are really late, so... Did you... Have you heard anything about the second season of American Horror Story? The only reason I say it is because, you know, the first season was tremendous, and depending on how you viewed your expectations going for the second one, they may or may not change your opinion of the show. Okay, well... um, I'm in a very naive standpoint right now because I just figured out that each season isn't like the same story. So season two is not going to be about the murder house. Season two is about like an insane asylum. But at the same time, in all the posters, it looks like Constance, but apparently it's not Constance. So I really don't know what I'm getting into. So I have like zero expectations because my understanding is that it's like a completely different story. Okay, fair enough. Um, if that's totally wrong, feel free to correct me. No, no, no. I don't. I don't no want to. I don't want to correct you only because it's good that you're going in, kind of not blind, but just unaware of the of, of how the show progresses. Because okay. when you when you go in there like I did, I went right into it, ready, you know, watching it as it aired, and I was just like, okay, this is kind of cool. Okay, this is kind of creepy. Oh, this is getting a little weird. So that that's kind of that's kind of the progression. It was like, all right, awesome, awesome, wow, wow, that's bad, wow. Like, like I just was impressed with the liberties that they were allowed to take. Wow, that's awesome because I am more of a fan when it comes to scary stuff. I like the creepy, I like the unexplainable, I like the supernatural and the paranormal. I'm not so much of the fan of the zombie and the gore and the. I like these sort of psychological weird stuff. And I think that's why I've liked American Horror Stories so far has been like the supernatural ghost element. Okay. So I don't know if that keeps up or not. Oh, yeah. There, there, there'll, be, there'll be ghosts. You're going to get some demons. Uh, interesting. Okay. Nazis. There's Nazis awesome. in there. So, <laughs> so, awesome. So, so you got that's a couple good. Things. Did you ever see um, – it was a really small movie, so I totally understand if you haven't. Um, Iron Sky. Oh, I'd love – any movies like that. Iron Sky was okay, so Iron bad. Iron Sky was awesome. But so bad, <laughs> but so good. I was like, wow. It's like um, Tucker and Dale, yeah. which is another another gem. That movie, um, I actually was not expecting to watch it all. That movie actually did their premiere the year of South by Southwest when I went. So I just heard about it and I was like, hey, like, I'll go to a midnight showing about Nazis from the moon, having no idea what I was getting into. And um, I actually went to the panel with the director, um, him talking about the movie, really thick Finnish accent. Um, but it just made the movie awesome. I, that's one of those things that I should probably do a review on because I feel like a lot of people were taking it too seriously. Right. So a lot of people were like, this is really dumb. But it's, it's a gem. I agree. That's an awesome Nazi movie. <laughs> if, if you want to see a, a, a tripped out film, watch um, Stakeland. Okay. Stakeland is a is a good. I I actually went to a, to a screening of it before it it got released limited, 
and it's a crazy vampire flick. It's post-apocalyptic, but awesome post-apocalyptic. Yeah. You have you have my attention. I yeah. love dystopian society, post-apocalyptic stuff. Oh yeah, it's 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 a trip, and it's um it's one of those movies that when you watch it, you're like, wow, they really took it there because the story is so. There's many layers to it, and they and they just pull no punches with certain things that are shown. And I was like, wow, that's that's a first for, for awesome. a horror movie. So you know, I definitely I I can tell you to check that on. There's another another gem if you like Iron Sky, a movie called Rubber about. Oh, a- I've heard of that. <laughs> I so I have not gotten around to watching it, but yeah, <laughs> that is the every time I start talking about so cheesy, they're or so horrible, they're awesome movies. Someone always brings that up. It's like the story of a tire, right? Yep. Yeah, I've heard it so weird, but so well done. So it was, it was, it's a sentient tire that yeah. um, kills people. And and the funny thing was right. when we were <laughs> when we were looking to do Comic Con, a girl walks up and she was giving condoms out, and I'm like, "What is wrong with you?" She walks up <laughs> to me and Dave and Buster. She goes, "Oh, here, you know, rubber." And I look and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" But the lady, she was <laughs> she was a PR rep for the dis- the distribution company. She's like, "Oh yeah, well." You know, don't don't get don't get freaked out because I'm like, lady, you just you know, you're handing me a a, a condom in Dave and Buster's at eight <laughs> o'clock at night with two of the other guys that write for the site. What the hell is going on? So she was like, no, no, no this movie's about you know this tire and it goes around and I'm like, oh my god, and this what is how are you're you promoting about it. you are crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm like, and you're promoting it by giving out, and she's like, well, you know, tire, rubber, condoms, ha ha ha. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> So I had to watch it because I'm like, this is the creepiest hey, campaign worked. ever. Yeah, it was it was a trip, but it definitely don't don't make it a movie that you have to go out of your way to watch. But if you're bored when they just say, yeah, check it out, you're gonna be like, wow. Yeah, I just looked for it on Netflix, and it is also available on Instant. And so is Skateland. So yeah, you'll like you'll like both of those. They're 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 pretty they're pretty creepy. Awesome. I wanted to to ask when you do your your videos, how are you? recording are you recording with a webcam or do you have a standalone video camera and then you're doing all your video editing because your picture is always incredibly crisp thank you thank you very much i actually have a sony fs100u which is a standalone production video camera i didn't um i didn't buy it just for my web show i use it in the company i work for also so it's sort of a double whammy there uh but yeah it's a wonderful camera i uh i use the kit lens it came with um, but I love when I get to use my Nikon attachments because I also love photography. So I have a whole bunch of Nikon lenses laying around nice. and I got an attachment that lets me use those lenses. And it's yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. It's funny because I started, you know, now that we're doing more cons and we're doing more event coverage, I started getting into photography. I actually use a Sony rig to do most of the photography. And yeah, Sony's awesome. Yeah, you. I, I started getting old um, Minolta lenses. So... Because you can use those on Sony cameras, right, right. And I was just just blown away by by some of the old pictures. You know, some of the old lenses giving you such clear quality. So th- that's why I was wondering. I'm like, is she recording with an SLR or something? I'm like, because that picture quality is immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, my B angle, uh, the second angle I use is actually shot with a um, a Nikon DSLR. Nice. So that's what that always cracks me up. I can tell if people watching my show or. Do, film themselves because they can only always tell the difference between the Sony and the DSLR. Right, and because, my different shots. <laughs> oh yeah, when when it's a uh, when you're when you're doing like when you did Persa being a wallflower and you were standing in front of the screen, I was like, 
that's got to be a high end camera because <laughs> it was it was super clean and usually. If I take video and I stand in front of my TV, you know, you always get that that pixelation from a television reflection. And right, the fact that I right. could make out the TV, I was like, wow, she's she's not playing. Yeah, no, um, you just you increase your shutter speed so you don't get that flicker. And then I actually just I hope I'm not like I'm not giving away any secrets. But in case you want to know what I do, I um I plug my laptop into my television via HDMI and set the desktop background to like a lime green. And I actually green screen all that. That is really, really cool. Yeah, so it's all done in post. I don't have like a little magic clicker. I'm <laughs> clicking through pictures. Oh, well, you know, it's it's funny it's because... Oh, but it, well, it, I, I commend you for that because that is probably one of the most original things I've ever seen. Only because when people are doing video shows, they're usually standing in front of, you know, a, a green backdrop or trying to do that. But it's cool that you actually did it that way and then just drop the picture in there. I've never heard it done that way. Really? I can't remember where I got the idea from, but I promise it wasn't just complete inception and popped out of my brain. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. It's cool. I just I just like that idea because it's 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 cool enough that you can have a little fun and put pictures in there without the pressure of, oh man, you know, what's going to be showing I got to come me? up with this like huge background and yeah, I used to do it with just a um a TV monitor sitting at my desk, but um this is a little tidbit for you if you ever start doing video. I don't know if you're like me, but I feel much more comfortable standing up. So yep. I was like, all right, I have to come up with something else because the sitting down at my desk with the TV monitors or the computer monitors is just getting awkward. So I started using the television. I do like it a lot. It fills the scene a bit more than the uh, the monitor did. Well, that's – you know, I really – like I said, I like that. And standing – doing it standing is, is probably one of the things that I, I'm starting to see more people do because I think it allows them to feel comfortable and move around more. So that, seeing you use that technique is – is probably something that I'll end up doing. I'll end up standing because sitting feels so weird. Like you're standing I, at the I screen. I get fidgety and I get yep. uncomfortable and I don't, I mean, I'm one of those people, if you were recording video right now, my hands are going crazy. I use my hands so much when I talk and it feels awkward when I'm sitting down because I feel like my hands don't have room <laughs> to move around. But when I stand up, I just, I don't know. I feel more comfortable. Well, no, I can't really it, tell you exactly why, but no, it, it, being from New York, I talk with my hands. A lot. Yes. So yeah, so it's you the know. Italian, I think, and me. <laughs> there you go. So you know, I I know for a fact it's like when I start doing video, it's going to be a lot of hand movement yes, and it is. magical. <laughs> what I like to call magical or ethnic origami when you're putting your hands together and you're like, yeah, well, you know, and people are just looking at you like you're insane. Yep. Yeah, I definitely have been there. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I trick I, for that. Go ahead and set your frame kind of just above where your elbows are, so you only see your hands when they like wave up. <laughs> They don't see all the fidgeting that happens underneath. <laughs> they, that works for me. I wanted to get into some of the movies that are upcoming and just some of the, the news that have been kind of trickling out. And I wanted to pick your brain on it. The, the first awesome. thing. Being, pick uh, away. Finding Nemo sequel. Finding Dory. <gasps> what? I thought it was a joke. I nope. saw the picture and I was like, oh, funny. Someone like changed it. And I actually found out today that it's a legitimate thing. So I have to look into it more. But. Yeah, my first thing is I thought it was just some, like, internet thing someone put together. Like, oh, good one, Reddit. Like, I had no idea it was a real thing that they were doing. Really? Well, with the, with that said, how how do you feel about a, a sequel to a movie that, you know, is so, so well Standalone-ish? <laughs> yeah, standalone-ish. And not only that, but just a movie. That, this is what I like to call the unnecessary sequel territory. Like, is it right. necessary? 
I mean, not, I mean, it's not like they left it anywhere. It's like the same thing they're making a Monsters Inc. sequel. Like Monsters Inc. wrapped up nicely, really nicely, like on purpose. So I don't get this thing where Pixar is deciding to make sequels now because I used to really respect Pixar for their ability to just make one movie and not sort of leak all the money out of the parents' pockets when the kids want to go see the sequel of a movie, which most kids' movies do. So now I'm just like, wow, Pixar, are you running out of real good movies ideas? And it's worrying me. Well, seeing the departure of doing a sequel like that with Disney, do you do you consider yourself a fan of the Pixar movement or do you still appreciate a good hand-drawn animated film? Oh, I love both. I think Pixar does a phenomenal job. And honestly, it's not their animation I love. It's their storytelling ability that I love. And old-style animation, hand-drawn, can do the exact same thing. At the same time, I will forever be a hater of Cinderella because I think it's the dumbest story plot ever. (laughs) But other than that, yeah, I'm a sucker at heart. I've always been a Disney fan. Well, your answer, it's funny because a lot of people are in the camp now where they've become so enamored with Pixar films that they're like, man, if, you know, going back to the old way, I just, I just couldn't watch it the same way. And I'm like, yeah, but how are you going to, how are you going to say that when there was such classics, like, you know, Aladdin, the Lion King, Little Mermaid, right. so many Hercules was films. always my favorite. Really? You liked Hercules? I always had a, a love hate relationship with it. Really? I can cite every single word. Like if someone were to start playing it right now, I could not resist singing the word to every song and every single line of dialogue. Jeez. That's, I just watched it on repeat so much as a kid. It's just ingrained in my brain. Yeah, I have I have that same effect with The Lion King. The Lion King is Right, is every every kid has their one. Yep. Absolutely. But with with that said, you know, seeing seeing something like like Finding Dory and then it's like, you know, 12 years later, you're like it for me, I just felt that to get that voice cast together 12 years later and try and capture that same magic, you know, people's the inflection of people's voices change people get older oh, absolutely I don't, I don't i'm concerned about that product yeah that's why i thought it was a joke because it seemed so out of left field and yeah it also seems like they're trying to pull money out of the crowd of people who loved dory because even though the movie's about nemo everyone loves dory dory's everyone's favorite character but there's a certain thing that changes when you love a secondary character or a supporting character, and then all of a sudden the supporting character you sort of know about becomes a main character. It's just going to be odd, and I really don't know if they're going to be able to make a whole story about her. Well, the- like, she was a supporting character from the beginning for a reason. Well, it's it's like the, the fascination people have with Mater in Cars. Right? Like, you love the supporting character because they're not deep. Right. So you only really know they're good things. They're not dynamic. They're not anything like that. So I don't know. I'm worried. <laughs> where Where do you stand with, with Marvel's domination of, of, of the film industry for the last few years? Right. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird to think about. Um, but I'm not a hater. I, I love a simple superhero movie. There's something about superheroes that... I think everyone and I especially just love um, at the same time. I don't really like, I don't know. I think the way they're doing these Avengers movies are better than the way other series have been dragged out. I like the fact that they give each superhero their own movie and then they made Avengers and now they're giving each superhero their own movie and then they'll make an Avengers too. Um, I think that's kind of clever and that's never really been done before. So I respect them for that. And of course I can't hate anything Joss Whedon does. So 
I'm good with the Avengers. I'm not sure about another Thor and Captain America, though, because they were good, but I mean... They couldn't stand on their own. Right? Mm -hmm. I think if I didn't know when Avengers was coming, I wouldn't have liked Thor or Captain America. I mean, Iron Man made two movies on his own. He's making a third. Iron Man is such a... I mean, Tony Stark is such an obnoxious character that he can... I mean, he he makes the movies, you know, but Thor is corny and stereotypical and reminds me of a lot of the comic book um thor and captain america are both like that they're kind of ridiculously patriotic <laughs> i yeah i see what you're saying and i i think that's what's different with sort of batman and iron man and the x-men movies and p- basically any other superhero they're all fighting their own internal battle on like should i do what's right should i not do what's right and it seems like thor and captain america are just kind of like oh, i love my country save humans and they're just good people that have no flaws. Ah. So I'm not a huge fan of that. So I don't really like their standalone movies. Well, with that with that said, then what what's your take on the new Superman approach? Um I was never a huge Superman fan. I don't actually remember watching too many of the originals or any previous versions. So I'm going to have to go back. Um I don't really have much an opinion because I'm I'm not a big Superman fan. That's never been my superhero. Um but it looks interesting. I like the way they're sort of taking the story now that I've actually seen a full enough trailer that tells me what it's actually about. So I'm excited in that aspect, but, I mean, nothing riveting. <laughs> well, no, it, the the reason I asked that is because when you were talking about, you know, Captain America and, and Thor, a lot a lot of people in, in my audience and a lot of people that that follow comics, they always say that that's always been one of Superman's biggest flaws. You know, he's the world's biggest Boy Scout. It's like he's never... There's never right. any internal conflict for him. Right. He's always just like, ready to save the world, ready to save the world. And I think that was successful in, I couldn't tell you what decade, but like the time period, the original like Superman, Superman television show came out. Right. That's really what America needed. So that's what Superman was to them. And it worked. And now, I mean, not to be cynical, but society is kind of different. We don't really want that anymore. So it's, it's sort of weird to me at least. Yeah, I think I think going with the flawed hero or the hero that's thrust into a situation has become the norm. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I kind of like Kickass and Right. Oh man, I love Kickass. I'm so excited for the second one. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be super ultra violent, but it's crazy love because it. the when Mark Millar did that, when they announced Kickass 2, I had finished reading a book he did called Nemesis, which um if you get a chance to pick it up, or I'll see if I have a trade, I'll email it to you. It is probably one of the most disturbing supervillain concepts that when you finish reading it, you're, when you finish reading it, you're like, holy crap, that was ridiculous. Because what happens is we get so many, we get so many approaches of the hero and very little approaches of, of the villain. Yeah, I've always felt that way. You know, and and with with Nemesis, it was just an homage to to villainy at its best, to the point where they were saying like, "Oh, this is going to get made into a movie finally," and it's kind of gotten quiet. But it's something I figured I would kind of drop in there for you because you know, I'm, I'll send like I said, I'll send it your way. But when you get send, past yeah. it, you're going to be like, "Wow, this definitely needs to be a movie." It's a, it's in that Chuck Palahniuk vein. Yeah, I'm I'm always a big fan of the um the anti-hero. I mean, if I had to pick a favorite quote unquote superhero, it would be Rorschach or V for Vendetta just because I love 
the concept of not wanting to be a hero and not being a hero for the fame just because you have your own like internal reasons for doing it. And a lot of society doesn't see them as good, good guys. And I think the the guy who's being the good guy because he wants to be the good guy, not because society is like demanding it of him, is the best kind of hero. Where do you stand with, with R-rated superhero films? Because, you know, Kick-Ass and Watchmen... They fell into that vein. Even even V for Vendetta's subject matter kind of teetered into that realm. Do you feel that box office success for R-rated films is is harder to come by just because of the subject matter? Or do you just think that people are just more concerned about mature heroes? I, I definitely think there's a difference. There's a diff. I mean, there's a reason Avengers is PG thirteen. Right. They're trying to keep it shallow. They're trying to keep it fun. It releases in the summer for a reason. Um, but me personally, I'm a, I'm a fan of the dark. I like the R rated superhero movies because I know if I look at a superhero movie and I see that it's R rated, I'm not just assuming it's for violence because if it's just for violence, they're going to make it PG 13. Like there's no reason to have it that violent and it not touch on a more mature subject matter. And the more mature the subject matter, chances are the darker, or darker it'll be. Right. And I'm always a fan of that. So <laughs> That works for me. I, you know, I, I enjoyed Watchmen. I read the books prior and yeah, I, I just, just started actually. I watched the movies first and then, cause I never buy comic books cause they're so expensive. Yep. Comic know. books are so expensive, especially oh, like the long graphic novels. But I found my local library actually had the Watchmen and V for Vendetta. And I recently finished Watchmen and I'm like about halfway through V. So yeah, I'm no. enjoying this whole graphic novel thing. <laughs> it's new for me, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, one one of the, the best things for, for me now, and, and people have been kind of seeing my logic, is, you know, like having an iPad or a tablet, because then you can jump on board and buy them through, you know, Amazon or whatever, and then just download them digitally. And right. They're, they're a little cheaper. I mean, Marvel's switching to a subscription format now. So, you know, I think you right. pay 60 bucks for the year, and you can read up to, I think, uh, 25,000 books wow. that they're going to put on the catalog. That's awesome. Um, I would definitely be interested in that. I downloaded the Marvel app for free and I read all the comics they have for free because that's the kind of frugal person I am. No harm. And I liked reading all the old short Spider-Man comics and stuff, but I'm, I really, I'm liking Alan Moore a lot. Yeah. Alan Moore, Alan Moore's amazing. I usually, his work I like, and it's usually whenever it's pieces of his work are done by Alex Ross because he does very classic artwork. I yeah. usually like the combination of both of those guys together. Right. And I definitely think it's easier. Um, I'm just having some internal conflict because the more I read V for Vendetta, the harder time I'm having deciding which I like better. Because mm-hmm. my two favorite scenes in the movie aren't in the graphic novel, but a scene I really, I, I don't think you can call it a scene in a graphic novel. I don't know what you call it, but the it's panel. not even a whole chapter, but like, well, it's not even one panel, but it's, it's a couple of panels of one interaction, I guess you could call it, that is in the graphic novel. I'm just like, man, I really wish I could have seen that in the movie. So I'm having a hard time deciding which I like better. <laughs> are you are you excited for um, since you since you're a hardcore Netflix user? Are you excited for um, Arrested Development? Arrested Development. I knew you were going to say it. I am freaking out. I'm so excited. Arrested Development is one of those. So interestingly hilarious television shows. I don't even know what category of comedy to classify it in because it's just so freaking weird. But I love it. 
So, yeah, I'm really excited for this new season. Um, they're being really casual about it. So I'm, my expectations aren't ridiculously high. Right. Um, but I also really respect the people who make it. So I, I think it's going to be awesome. I love that they're just throwing the whole season up at once because I feel like this is really for the fans. I, I really I, – so I'm excited. I, I like that they're doing it that way and they're doing it through Netflix. I mean, same thing with um, – I started getting into um, House of Cards – and the same thing, I think that doing shows like that, and, and especially if there's a budget for it, that Netflix is a great vehicle. I mean, you know, my fiance, she likes Veronica Mars, and Veronica Mars is her crack. So when they did the Kickstarter <laughs> campaign for it, and it broke so many records, and, and it came together so nicely, I, I said to myself, that's great, you know, crowdsourcing, and it's going to get out there. But I feel that Netflix and even Hulu to a degree are, are a better medium to get this stuff out there because you can scale it down in a smaller way and people still get to enjoy the content at their pace. Absolutely. TV is getting so competitive now. And I really think these online, just like everything is going online, I think these online streaming is a really great avenue. I also think it's what's great about Arrested Development. Now, I don't know if this is true, but this is just what I feel like. Um, Arrested Development ended a long time ago i mean i couldn't tell you what year but and then when it released on netflix i feel like a lot of people started watching it like i never watched arrested development when it was on television i watched it on netflix yep and i watched the whole season at once so i think they caught on to that and were like hey let's reward our netflix fans for being so awesome and almost rebooting the show without us so i i really hope that happens i mean i don't want to say i hope that happens with more shows but the fact that they had the ability to do it and cared enough to do it, I think is really awesome. So, Well, the last, the last episode of Arrested Development, I think, was in 2005 or 2006. So think about the, uh, the amount yeah. of time it's been since then. And people are still, you know, at a fever pitch for, the, for that series to air on Netflix. Right, exactly. And, I mean, think about all the things Jason Bateman has done since Arrested Development. Right. I mean, he he doesn't need to do this for the money. Nope. He doesn't need to do it for the money. He's doing it because he wants to. I mean, look at all the things Michael Sarah has done since Arrested Development. The, Michael Sarah was like a little baby in Arrested Development. He's done so much since then. So it's cool. They're definitely doing it because they want to. I want to see the um the horror series they plan on doing for Netflix. I think it has werewolves in it. I, that's what it looks like. Ooh. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. I um I've been kind of researching it casually to see because the news are so vague but right um, i'm like eh, you know netflix is is doing the right thing but they um i don't know how well they're gonna they're gonna fare constantly bombarding people with shows without waiting for their shows that they have on there to be successful like you should wait till arrested development and house of cards wraps up its run before jumping into something else Right, that is true. I haven't watched House of Cards yet, but I hear a lot of really good things about it. So yeah, that's the, on my list. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's so it's not, good to know you like it. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's coming along quite well. The um the horror series that they're going to do is going to be Hemlock Grove. So you can check that. Something out. Something to Google. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can look that up. But um, all, either one of those shows is is coming along quite well. Last good. La I go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. Speaking of like Hulu exclusive shows, I started watching um. The thick of it, because I'm a huge fan of British comedies, and I'm thoroughly enjoying that. So, oh, I'll check that out. I mean, I just finished. I just got into um, BBC Sherlock. And oh my gosh! Did you get like addicted and watch the entire thing in like one yeah. night? Because that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and 
Me and the missus, we were like, oh, man, this is crazy. And then we got to the end and we're like, no. Right? <laughs> I was I was, I was, was heartbroken. And then, you know, I try to watch. Like, I'm, I'm trying to muster up the courage to tackle Doctor Who. And, oh, uh, such a Doctor Who fan. Yeah. It is it is intimidating, though, because there are so many seasons. Right. If I were to say to start anywhere, I would start with um, Christopher Eccleston. Oh, okay, yeah. Everybody I would start said- with nine because that's when I started watching it. And you sort of pick up on the show enough. I would also suggest watching it with someone who's watched it before so they can answer your questions. Ah, okay. Yeah, I would start with Christopher Eccleston. Um, he's not around for too long. So it's kind of like starting with Tenet, but um, Tenet's my favorite, by the way. There you go. You're not you're not the only person that that has told me that. I've heard right. I've heard, no. I've heard a few few people that say that Tenet is definitely their favorite. He's he's very charming. I like it's he's fun. He's very a, sassy. They're all very sassy, and I just I really enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, I've only I've only watched um Sherlock, BBC Sherlock. I watched Luther because it was because Idris Elba. I, I watched his work in The Wire. And um, I became a fan of of his body of work on the wire, and I was like, "Damn, let me let me check out this show." It's a, it's only a handful of episodes, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Extremely uh, dark. Yes. Very very dark. I get what you mean there. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> last two more casual questions I wanted to ask. Uh, All right, go for it. Act, actor or director you hate the most? Like you refuse to watch any of their work. Actor or director? Um, I know directors that I love, but I if I hate a movie, I don't really go through the trouble to <laughs> figure no, out what the director is. So I will try and answer actor, um, but you'll have to give me a second. Sure. Um, I try and find people I love, not people I hate. Well, I guess here's a good one. Um, will Ferrell. Wow, that's a that's a. It's hard, and a lot of people really don't agree with me, but I really dislike his movies. No, I love when he like post SNL. I loved Stranger Than Fiction. I like Elf. But when he makes those obnoxious, terrible, so stupid comedies, I just can't even take it. (laughs) Which was the one that you felt was one of his one of his worst? The worst? I I try not to watch them. Um, I've only seen I guess I watched like Blades of Gory, Talladega Nights. Anchorman was pretty funny. Okay. But that's because there was lots of other comedic actors in that movie that were helping him out. Okay, fair enough. But I would probably say Blades of Glory is like my least favorite. After seeing that, I was like, I'm just done with this. I'm done watching his movies. I watched that and I disliked it because I disliked John Heater. Um, he's the guy from Napoleon Dynamite, right? Yes. Okay. He's all right. I don't really have like a huge problem with him, but yeah, no, he didn't make the movie for me either. <laughs> nope. I, 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 I watched Napoleon Dynamite a, few, a handful of times for a bunch of inside jokes that I have here in my house. But I, right. ended up, I ended up watching it. I'm just like, wow, this dude outside of this movie is such bullshit. And <laughs> <laughs> director-wise, I got to say um, Uwe Boll. Uwe Boll is definitely probably one of the worst directors walking this planet. Can- can you, I mean, I'm not going to be able to Google his name because I have no idea how to spell it. Will you give me like a couple things he's done so uh, I can maybe get an yeah, idea of what you're talking about? His name is U-W-E-B-O-L-L and he has done, he did a movie called Blood Rain that had Kristana um, Loken who was the female Terminator in the last Terminator flick and okay. um, that movie was just abysmal. He also did... Um, a movie called In the Name of the King with Jason Statham based on a game that was just okay. god-awful. 
He d- he he does he's done a lot of movies based on video games that were just nowhere That's near. That's a weird thing to accomplish. Yep, he's did like In the Name of the King, House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark. Those were all based on on different types of, on different games. Same thing Blood Rain falls in there, Far Cry, and I'm like who gives this guy these licenses? These movies <laughs> these movies are complete shit. Yeah. Like it like it's bad. Like it's it's real bad like Every movie he does, I'm like, ugh, why? And I always oh, try why? to give him a shot, and then I watch a movie, and I'm like, no. Like, why did I do that? Yep, why <laughs> did I do it? The guy was a producer on a movie called Blubberella. Oh, what? Yeah. Blubberella is a... <laughs> okay, um, that's when you know you missed it. Yeah. Blubberella was, was... I actually ended up watching it late night once, and... It um, sounds like a late night movie. It doesn't even have a poster on IMDb. No, 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 no. It's like It's just like, <laughs> a, like this terrible comedy and it's like this big girl that tries to be a superhero and i'm just like oh god that's that's pretty horrible actually wow and um worst movie you've seen oh my gosh okay this is something that i hate telling people because they're either totally agree with me need convincing or just absolutely hate me so bear with me go ahead but i hated the movie drive Thank you. Oh my gosh, you agree with me? Yes. Hol- holy shit! Now tell oh you. Oh my god, thank you. I seriously had to take down my drive review after the movie came out because I was getting so many negative comments. I'll tell. I'll tell you why I say that. I watched. I watched Drive because everybody thought it was so awesome, and I sat through it. And the, I will say, Drive had a banging soundtrack. It was. A ridiculous really, soundtrack. The soundtrack is one of the things I didn't really like. I think their director of photography did an amazing job. I want to like print out all the frames in that movie and make it a scrapbook because yeah. it looks beautiful. We watched it, and the fact that we're like, Ryan Gosling only uttered like 15 words. Oh my god, there's no dialogue. No. There, who can write a script with that little dialogue and that little character development? Like, what were they thinking? Well, it's it, the the crazy thing is. Um, I go, there's a site that, that we get all our trailers from, which is Trailer Addict, and they put up a trailer, a Red Band trailer, which I know you love. Um, I do. It's it, always so much more accurate to the movie, you know? Yes. He did a, there's a trailer for a movie called Only God Forgives, and oddly enough, as soon as I started watching the trailer and I saw it was di- it's directed by the guy that did Drive, I said, I just said, fuck you. No, nope. <laughs> not even gonna do it. Yeah, but you know what? Watch the Red Band trailer because I want to see. You know, obviously not now, but just watch it and get back to me and see if you feel the same way that okay. you felt when you watched Drive. Because we watched it and I'm like, oh my god, it's you know three minutes of what you know, it's a minute and a half of what Drive was. Wow. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, because I remember the movie started and I was like, oh my god, like he's in the car. This is a cool Drive scene. Ten minutes later. Oh my god, he's still driving. Like what's happening? <laughs> These are some like really great city scenes and everything, but kind of what's going on. And then he like does not drive for the rest of the movie. Yep. It's like you poorly named this. Yep. Definitely. Seriously. I think honestly, I think it's the lack of character development that gets me the most cuz the whole time I was not convinced that Ryan Gosling was in love with Carrie Mulligan's character. Nope. And I just couldn't take him just- I couldn't take him as a badass either. Right? It's like, so you're a pretty boy, but also a badass. But I thought you were just a pretty boy until you inexplicably started smashing some guy's head in an elevator. Like, Yeah, I was, I was, that movie, I definitely got to say that Drive, I, I can say is probably one of the movies that, that I hated. 
and a lot of people give me shit, but I didn't. I didn't. A lot of people give me shit too. I didn't like The Hangover either. I didn't like it while I was watching it, and I feel dumb, but I quote it a lot. Right, but it's it's like a quotable movie, but it's. I mean, it's not actually good. I can't believe they're making a third one. Yep. The The Hangover. The Hangover falls into the same vein as as Talladega Nights, Elf. You know, movies that you may watch and you'll forget about them, but they're quotable. And then you find yourself like Anchorman. Like I'll quote something out of Anchorman. Like I'll say I love Lamp, or right. you know something like that. But then I'm like, right. eh, it wasn't that great. Yes, that's a that's a really good category of movie. We should, yeah, we should <laughs> make that a thing. But um, no, yeah, I definitely agree. I felt the same way about. Like Bridesmaids and what was that other one? There was some other comedy like that that like everyone instantly fell in love with. And I was like, oh my gosh, this movie must be hysterical. I must go see it. And then maybe it's just because my expectations were too high, but not enjoying it that much, but still quoting it all the time. Bridesmaids is definitely bullshit also. (laughs) And that's because it's the same same thing as The Hangover for me. Yeah, at the same time, I loved Bridesmaids because I am in love with Chris O'Dowd, and that's only because I love the IT crowd. Ah, okay. Well, that, that makes so the, sense. So the British guy in Bridesmaids, yep, uh, who's the police officer or whatever, he is a co-star in a hysterical British television show called The IT Crowd, where they're like these two guys that run IT for this huge corporation, and they're hysterical. I. I, you probably won't get half the jokes if you you know don't work in some sort of technology field, but it's great. Nice. So, I'm gonna have. To, I I'm had to, to watch it up. for at least that. Nice. All right. Well, there you go. You've uh, you've done a great job taking us behind the mic. And last but not least, where can people find you and keep up with you? Oh, of course. It depends what you're looking for. If you just want the episodes, feel free to subscribe on my YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com forward slash this week in the cinema. Um, I don't do as much blogging as I should, but feel free to go to my blog, thisweekinthecinema.com. A lot of times I'll throw up things you're talking about, like television reviews or trailers I've seen or any sort of news I'm just super appalled by and have to share all of my opinions on. Um, but I'm really trying to pimp out my Google Plus page. I'm getting a lot of fans on that, and it's sort of an interesting social network, and my actual job is community managing, so this whole social networking thing is kind of important to me. Um, but I'm really trying to explore that social network more, so if you happen to be one of the people that are on Google Plus, totally join me there. I do hangouts once a week on Fridays at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. That's my time. Um, so nine for you guys on Fridays and those are a lot of fun. So, I mean, it's, it's whatever you're looking for. Just, you know, look up this week in the cinema. I have like a Pinterest account, just whatever. There you go. All right. I'll make sure to include the links in the show notes. And as always, Devin is taking us behind the mic. Thanks for taking the time for speaking with us. Absolutely. I had so much fun. Thank you.